1: Let's begin your reading. I sense you want out of a relationship. Yes! With my big-name wireless carrier. That's why I switched to Xfinity Mobile. Now I get unlimited with 5G for $30 per month on the most reliable 5G network. They can even save you hundreds a year on your wireless bill. I definitely foresaw all this. Break free from the big three and switch to Xfinity Mobile. $30 per month per line with four lines. Taxes and fees extra. Xfinity Internet required. Reduced speeds up to 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Most reliable based on root metrics. U.S. report. Results vary. Non-endorsement. Savings compares pricing of top carriers. coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world, you're going online with
0: Hi, everyone. Yours truly, Bill Alexander, here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77. And we're recording and broadcasting live from the Phil Giannetti Studios right here high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. You can also check us out on the live stream tonight at onlinewithbillalexander.com. And you can also uh, check us out tomorrow with the podcast and everything at iTalkNet. Com. Well, tonight we're going to have some fun. We're going to be talking about movies, which I'm looking forward to because, as most of you know, I never get a chance to go to movies. My kids do because they're finally of the age that I can give my oldest one some money and he- say, "Here, take your brother and sister." Um, but I never get to go because I never think there's anything out there I'd like to see because I'm I'm a traditionalist, I guess. But on the phone line right now we have Nell Minow, and Nell is on the phone. Nell, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having me on the show. Well,
0: thank you for joining me this evening. Where are you calling from?
1: I'm just outside of Washington, D.C.
0: Oh, okay. And um, so we were talking before we went on, and I asked you about when you became a movie reviewer, and you said you actually have been doing it since you were in high school, correct?
1: That's right. I started writing movie reviews for my high school and college papers. I always loved movies, but uh, the day that... uh, school ended, after my sophomore year in high school, I came down with a really, really bad case of mono, and I spent the whole summer in bed oh. and watching movies on a little black and white TV that only had four channels. Oh, I was really stuck with whatever was on. You're so dating yourself
0: by sort of saying that, just to, just to let you know.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I know that. I know This was before... before VCRs before cable, before anything. (laughs) But that was good because I ended up watching a lot of movies I would never have watched Mm -hmm. otherwise and beginning to think about, you know, what made them good, what made them bad. Right. And um, so I I started reading about movies and um, I studied film history and criticism in college. But then I went to law school and did other things for a while and uh, came back to writing reviews after uh, the Internet started. I had one of the very first websites.
0: And I also see that you uh, write reviews for... Um, let's see, you've done it for Ebert Presents at the Movies. You're also Mm -hmm. um, on the radio. You have done Mm -hmm. radio in uh, U.S. and Canada, and you've been profiled Mm -hmm. in the Washington Post, the Chicago Sun-Times, and the New Yorker. So you've been pretty busy.
1: (laughs) I've been very lucky. Um, You know, I was lucky that I started writing reviews in the very earliest days of the Internet when... You know, there were dozens of websites, not even hundreds of websites. And so five years later, a substantial number of reviews online, Yahoo, which hadn't even been invented when I started, uh, had become quite a big company. They asked me to become their movie critic, and uh, then I wrote a book about movies. And while I was promoting it, some of the radio stations that I talked to asked me if I would come on every week and review movies. So it really kind of just grew up around me.
0: Oh, that's really impressive. So you've been doing movie reviews online for how many years now?
1: I started in 1995. If you can imagine
0: that. Wow! So you've been doing so, it for what 24 years now?
1: Yeah, that's right. So it was basically just Fred Flintstone and me on the internet at the <laughs> time. I mean, it was such a long time ago that people would write to me and say, "Are you a girl?" Because right. There were very, very few women on the internet.
0: Um, that's 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 actually very interesting. That uh, that's very interesting that you've been doing it as long as you have been doing it, um, and you've actually made a successful career out of it. Now, the movies yeah. that, the movies that you review, you're basically reviewing it for one one demographic, correct?
1: No, I don't see it that way. Okay. I see that I am writing regular reviews for anybody. Um, But I do always include parental guidance, and and I, I sometimes joke, but it's really true that parental guidance means not just advice to parents about what's appropriate for kids, but it's also advice to adult kids about what they can take their parents to, because a lot of people who are adults have parents who are like you, and they're traditionalists, and they don't want to see anything you know that 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 is going to upset them. So uh so it's parental guidance both ways.
0: Well, that's one of those things when you uh when you see it and there's that sex scene that comes on and you're with your 15 or 16 year old and you're trying to cover their eyes as they're peeking through your fingers at the same time.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you that doesn't work. They covering their eyes yeah, doesn't I, work. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know that. My oldest one is 19, my youngest or my youngest one is 11 and my middle one is 14. So I run the whole gambit When it comes to yes,
1: you do. That's that's quite a spread because there are very few movies you can take them all all to it at the same time.
0: Well, I have the the two older ones are boys and the youngest one's a girl. Now, the one thing I did find out that I could take them to that they'd actually enjoy together was Star Wars, which I thought was very interesting. Plus, Dad enjoyed that too because he remembers them when he was growing up um, many many years ago when he saw them originally at the theaters. So. It was actually, yeah, I uh, love
1: I love the Star Wars movies. In fact, my husband and I, we weren't married at the time, but we saw the first one in the theater together, and we liked it so much. we sat through it a second time, which kids you used to be able to do back in those days. right,
0: exactly. Now, the uh, one movie that's coming up, and you you talk about seeing seeing Star Wars your husband, my wife and I, the first movie we ever went to, we went to see Toy Story.
1: Oh, what a perfect, it was how a, do you not fall I, in love after seeing that movie? <laughs> I mean, it was a
0: wonderful, it was a wonderful movie, and then mm-hmm. um, what was interesting, I interviewed a gentleman who worked with John Lasseter when I was working for a local radio station, and we talked about that whole thing. Then when the second movie came out, we were just married, we had our, actually, no, we've been married for a few years, we had our first son. And then we were getting ready to have our second son. And we couldn't figure out what to name our second son. So my oldest son is named Danny or Daniel. And at the end of the movie, when Bullseye rotates his feet, he originally writes Danny, D-A-N-Y. And then he corrects himself and it says, Andy, my wife and I looked at each other and said, that's it. That's what we're going to name him. And honestly, we named him because of that movie. He doesn't like that story, but the story is true.
1: I'm sorry I'm hearing some interference it's hard for me to hear you right now. Oh I'm
0: sorry how's that how's that right now?
1: That's better yes. Okay
0: mm-hmm. so I was getting feedback there. But yeah so uh, okay. we named him because of uh because of the movie Toy Story 2 because we realized that Danny and Andy minus 1 N has the same uh
1: <laughs> has yeah. the same letters. That's, that's so nice. So, well you know Toy Story 4 is coming out so uh you may you may need another child to name.
0: Don't say that please. Uh, three is enough so i was going to bring that up toy story four is coming out which is a very interesting um premise to the to to the whole thing because they're not in andy's room they're in the new location and i guess from what i've seen from the previews there is this handmade craft a spoon of some sort that becomes part a of the spork. a spork that, that has become part of the gang because you never think about homemade toys being part of that toy universe that the uh, kids play with.
1: Well, anybody who's been a parent has known that experience where you knock yourself out to get just that perfect toy for the child and they end up playing with the box. Right. So it's kind of like that. And I love the idea, particularly in the, in the last Toy Story, where it begins with that beautiful tribute to imagination. Yes. And I love the idea that they're continuing this. I've got to tell you something about the first three toy stories okay. that, that blows my mind that I bet you don't know, and that is the very first shot in the first toy story is the sky painted on the ceiling of Andy's room, and the very last shot of the third toy story, which everybody forgets because they're all crying too hard by that point, yeah. is the real sky as Andy is leaving for college.
0: Right. And actually, I did... And
1: I thought that was just such a such perfect bookend. And, of course, the Toy Story, the people behind Toy Story, are writing about their own lives. Yes. When, when they made the first Toy Story, they had young children, and then the children grew up, mm-hmm. and, you know, now they've got Bonnie. So, you know, we're starting all over again. But, yeah, it's really... Um, it's, it it really has shown how not just the technology of uh, that Pixar uses has changed so dramatically over the years, but the people at Pixar have changed and developed and grown up and have dealt with some really tough issues. Right.
0: And what's inter- now, have you seen the screener for this as of yet?
1: No, I have not. No, you're I'm waiting. sure that we'll be saving that one for the last minute. Uh, Because they don't want any spoilers out. It's such a big, big movie.
0: Because I know that in the past, when they had the passing of uh, Slinky Dog, which was Jim Varney, they had a replacement come in and play him. And now Don Rickles has passed away. And rumor is they had enough stuff on the floor that they were actually able to piece that together without really using anybody else as a voice actor
1: they did that with paul newman in uh in the Cars movie so i think it's very possible uh you know they 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 do so many different versions uh over the years and to be honest his role is not that big uh i'm sure that they they could find something from him and i'm looking forward to that very much
0: yeah it's it's, again it's going to be very interesting to see how they pulled off now do you know the whole storyline about the movie
1: no, okay. uh, they've been they've been very secretive about it. I mean, all I know is what, what you know and what everybody else knows about Sporky. But it, it looked to me like a little bit of a callback to the first one uh, where they've got to go rescue somebody. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the other thing I heard, and this was about a year, year and a half ago, that they were finally going to develop the relationship between Woody and Bo Peep, which is I voiced by Annie also. Potts.
1: Right. I did hear that also, and I think that would be very, very nice. Um, uh, I'd like to see... Woody is my favorite character in the Toy Story movies, and I'd love to see him uh, find a companion.
0: Yeah, again, it would be interesting. And speaking of Tom Hanks, he's had a busy summer because he's in my neck of the woods in Pittsburgh filming the new movie uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Fred Rogers film. I
1: know, I know, playing Mr. Rogers. And after the documentary that we all saw last year about Mr. Rogers... I think we're all looking forward to this. You couldn't pick a better person to play the nicest guy in the world than the other nicest guy in the world, and I think it's going to be a very very touching story.
0: When I uh, a few months ago, I had I don't know if you remember Officer Clemens, but I had Francois Clemens on my program. And of
1: course, he's a, he has a very important role in the documentary. And
0: we were talking and we were talking to him about the documentary and he's going to come back on the program in October when the the release date of the new movie is going to be and it's really interesting like you said Tom Hanks looked like he morphed into that role because we've seen yeah. promotional stills in this area and he takes on the essence of Fred Rogers which is just which is just amazing to me because again who would play the nicest man in the world you're right the other nicest man in the world who else would it be so it's going to be That's very right. interesting and
1: it is going to be it, you know it's such a such a timely story the kindness the patience, the dedication, the modesty of the man, I think that's, uh, that's something we all need to, to, to feel a little bit more a part of, and uh, I think that's great. Now, when the documentary came out, I got to interview one of the producers... Oh, really? ...who, who was briefly in the documentary. He's the son of Yo-Yo Ma, the musician... And he appeared with his father on the show when he was a little boy. And he talked to me about the impression that Mr. Rogers made on him back Uh then and how important it was to bring this story to the world. I'm I'm so happy that the movie did so well.
0: And it's amazing to me that they actually had two documentaries that came out about Fred Rogers at the same time. Um, One was produced locally, then one was the national one that was done, which was amazing to me that they were both done at the same time. Now, The other thing I want to ask you about, one of the biggest movies that hit the screen over the last few weeks is The Avengers. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen it yet, and I am telling people, don't tell me anything about it because I don't want to be spoiled. But did you ever think this franchise was going to make as much money as it did?
1: Absolutely not. And I am a big comic book fan, and I go to... San Diego Comic-Con every year and I love comic books and, you know, but my experience was that every time they tried to make a comic book movie with maybe the exception of the Christopher Reeve Spider-Man they really were not good and I especially am a fan of the Fantastic Four and they've tried so many times to make movies of the Fantastic Four and they've all been terrible and uh, the idea that, that this guy Kevin Feige would come out of nowhere and create this franchise. There's never been anything like it in the history of the movies, and there was a beautiful advertisement put out by uh, James Cameron today saluting Kevin Feige for beating his record and now creating the highest-grossing movie in history. So Titanic is now number two. Uh, So no, I never anticipated that they could do such a great job. But, you know, here's the thing. Comic books... For decades, going back to the 1930s, comic books were the only place, except maybe radio, where you could send people to other planets and you could have superheroes, because you, you couldn't do that. Uh, there was no technology to be able to make that happen in movies or on right. television, if you think about how fake it was, the old Superman show uh, with George Reeves. And then all of a sudden, when the when the technology came available, um, at the same time, Marvel took back control of its characters and its stories. And so instead of having the movies be made by people who knew about movies, they were made by people who knew about comics. And I think the combination of that technology and that love for those characters really is what made these movies so successful.
0: And what are your thoughts now about Disney getting into the whole thing by buying Marvel?
1: Well, it's very it's been very interesting to me because Disney... Under Bob Iger, this is where I put on sort of my corporate lawyer hat for okay. a moment because I look at businesses all the time. Disney under Bob Iger has gone in a very different direction. Disney always wanted to kind of own their own characters, of course, for many, many years. They took characters from fairy tales and made them their own, whether it was you know Snow White or Cinderella, uh, Sleeping Beauty. And they really uh, were doing everything in-house. And in, under the Bob Iger... Uh, regime, they have gone out and they bought the Muppets and they bought Star Wars, Marvel, and now they've got Star Wars and they've got the the 20th Century Fox archive, and um and that has worked out very well for them. I mean, I really held my breath about the Muppets and Star Wars. I couldn't imagine that they would understand the characters and the worlds of those characters as well as they have. But they've been very protective. Uh, of that material in a way i think they've been more protected than they have of their own I, right. I think that the the things that they've done with star wars have been better than these live action versions of their own archive which i think have been kind of spotty
0: and i'm going to ask you about that in just a second now the muppets didn't they owe the muppets once before then sold them and then bought them back again
1: i don't think they owned them i think they were producing okay with them but the but uh, but no, they they bought the characters from the Henson family, okay. and uh, and I tell you, the the Muppet uh, attraction at Disney World is one of my favorites. Well, it's one of my They've favorites done a really too. Good job.
0: and it's one of my yeah. kids' favorite also. Now you talk yeah. about Disney remaking their classics into live action films. Yeah. Aladdin is coming out. What are yeah, your I'm thoughts?
1: Look, I don't think it looks that good. <laughs>
0: Well, the thing is, is that people my age that remember the original, you remember the genie oh. as being Robin Williams. You remember, I the-
1: love the original. Re- it's, it's one of their all-time best right. movies because of Robin Williams. Because Robin Williams was born to play an animated character. I mean, when I saw that originally, and I saw him morph into the William right. M. Buckley yes, version. Yes, perfect. I mean, I, that, that you know, he was so mercurial. That was a perfect way to tell that story. Uh, And I just can't imagine that the actors, you know, I love Will Smith. I think he's great, but I don't think the actors are going to have the magnetism of those animated characters. And so it just doesn't look so so good to me. I'm hoping that that it is good. But as I said, their record with these has been spotty. I think of the live-action versions, probably my favorite was... Beauty and the Beast, and that was I thought Cinderella was
0: okay, and that was my wife's but. favorite too because we saw that one together, and 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 she yeah. the, the movies that saved Disney what the the movie that saved Disney was Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid when they were going through their right. financial troubles before
1: exactly and
0: having them redo Beauty and the Beast and make this investment it was questionable but when you watch it and you saw the castle and you saw the animation. And actually a, f- a friend of mine that I went to high school with, he was uh, he worked with uh, Chip, the little cup that was in the movie. Oh, is that, right? that was what he did. Oh, my. And it was really cool when I talked to him about it. So they were able to pull that one off. Now they did They
1: were.
0: They did uh the, yeah, you they know did what Snow White, is, didn't they? Or Maleficent is one they did.
1: They did Maleficent, and right? And was, now they're doing Maleficent too. And
0: that was very dark. And it was yes. it was a very it was more of an adult film because she yes. really went off the deep end, which was enjoyable, but I can't imagine kids sitting and watching it.
1: I agree with you and I'm not I'm not excited about the second uh the sequel. I don't think that looks so good. And the thing that I think is really strange is they keep talking about the new Lion King yes. as live action. Excuse me, it's not live action. <laughs> live action that there are actual live creatures in it, humans and animals. And in this, it's all CGI. So I don't know what they're talking about by saying this. I mean, even in their Jungle Book, at least you had a human child in there who was interacting with the CGI characters. I don't know how you call that live action.
0: Now, with with the CGI, did James Earl Jones come back to play Mustafa? Yes, because there is no other one that could do it or or Jeremy Lyons to play Scar. I mean, these are characters that we are familiar with and I can't our voices we're familiar with. And I can't imagine trying to cast someone else to do them.
1: Yeah, it's not Jeremy Irons this time. Oh, that's Um, a shame. Yeah, I'm
0: sorry, but, but it is James Earl Jones, and it would be like having somebody else play Darth Vader, wouldn't it? Oh, ex- well, exactly. Or I mean, and, yeah. and Whoopi Goldberg was one of the um, hyenas. You yeah. had Robert Guillaume, yeah. who played the uh, um, uh, the yeah. baboon, who introduced the lion cub. Again, it's just one of those things that they've become such iconic figures or iconic movies in our society that when you try to remake them, I think you butcher them well, up.
1: This time it's going to be Chew it playing scar. Okay. And uh, Pumbaa is Seth Rogen, which I think is probably a good okay, choice. That would- but, but you know, who's playing Nala? No. Are you ready? Okay. Hold on tight. Okay. Beyonce.
0: So in other words, we're going to sell tickets with their name.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think we'd sell more tickets if she really was appearing in live action. Well, yeah,
0: that's true too. Um yeah, dress her up <laughs> dress her up as a lioness and then and you probably would. Um but no, yeah. that that's very interesting. Now, Disney this past holiday season released The Return of Mary Poppins. How did yeah. that go over with you?
1: You know what? I liked it a lot. A lot of people didn't, and it just shows you how attached people are to the movies of their childhood. Yeah. Now, nobody's a bigger fan in the world than I am of the original Mary Poppins with Julie Andrews. I adored it. I've seen it a million times, but I did like this one. And I, and speaking of that first one, I loved it when Dick Van Dyke got up on the desk and danced. I thought that was great. He
0: finally but got to play the age that he played. He finally turned the age exactly. of the character that he played in the original he, movie.
1: Yeah. He didn't need all that makeup this time. <laughs> I thought there were some things wrong with it. The songs were not nearly as good as those in the original movie. They're hard to remember, and I, I, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I thought the whole scene with Meryl Streep didn't work at all. Okay. But there was so much about it that I did love, and I loved Emily Blunt. I thought she gave a beautiful performance.
0: And what I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, there was CGI in it, of course. But a lot of the yeah. scenes they actually did the old fashioned way. Like when they went into the bathtub, there was actually a yeah. ramp underneath it where they would go through I the saw sides. That. And I'm going, okay, that reminds me of how they did the original because everything was in. Now, of course, the original, the animation was hand drawn animation or cell animation. The new one is all CGI. And you can tell the yeah. difference between the two. And of course, the quality is going to be better. But uh, what Lynn Manuel. Um, why can't I think of his last name Miranda. right now? Miranda.
1: Lin-Manuel Miranda. Did, yeah. he
0: do, did he play the role of the chimney sweep as well as Dick Van Dyke, in your opinion?
1: Well, of course, he wasn't a chimney sweep. Oh, okay. He was a lamplighter. Okay. Um, no, I don't. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people gave Dick Van Dyke a hard time to uh, about his accent. Right. Um, but uh, he gave a fabulous performance. Uh, as Bert. And no, I, I mean, I love Lin-Manuel Miranda. I love Hamilton. I think he's a genius. He did not do a great job in that role.
0: Okay. Because I was, I was curious about that because um, I've heard the same thing. My son, who is a musical theater major in college, when he saw it, he came back and he said, Dad, don't waste your time. He said, it doesn't work and i'm going yeah. well and then my wife and my daughter saw it and my wife thought it was was very well done because she was a big fan of the original and she said that in a lot of ways it captured the magic of the original movie
1: i thought so too in a lot of ways but but it, but it, it there were there were some significant flaws
0: right which of course um, anything anything else and there
1: was one great song yeah, but the go- rest, as i said the rest of the songs were not that good
0: now they just did the Captain Marvel movie okay? that just yes. came out, and at the same time, Shazam came out. Yeah. In my mind, they're the same character.
1: Well, that is such a good point, uh, because there is a murky history there that involves lawsuits yes. and uh, some very ugly past, but she's playing a different Captain Marvel. She's playing the more contemporary Captain Marvel. And um, I I actually liked both movies very much. I, I particularly thought the Shazam movie was a delight. It was very much inspired by the Tom Hanks movie Big. Okay. Because Shazam is the only superhero who actually changes age when his powers come on. Right. And the idea that you've got basically a 15-year-old boy in a adult male body. You know, for him, it's just as much a superpower to be able to go buy beer as it is <laughs> to be able to fly. And I thought they handled that whole thing delightfully. And uh, Zachary Levi, who, as long as we're talking about Disney, we have to mention right. that he plays the male lead in Tangled, uh, Exactly, I was absolutely terrific in the role, and I I thought it was completely charming and delightful. And
0: actually, he's also playing the love interest in the marvelous Miss Mazel too, which uh, yeah, if you see you've seen, well, if you've seen the, that.
1: I love the I love the marvelous Mrs. Mabel, uh and um, yes, he is the love it, and he's he was great in
0: that. Oh, I thought he was excellent, and I, I kind of hope they keep him because I'm looking forward to, to season three. Um, I am too. When you talk about Shazam, the 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 movie. It, and, I, and like I said, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the trailer for it and I've watched it multiple times. It reminds me a lot of the TV program that kids my age growing up in the 70s would remember because it was the same concept of a 15-year-old turning into an adult who didn't know how his powers worked and trying to figure that out because that was half of the fun of watching the TV program which also reminds you of a a, a version of America's Greatest Hero, which I really think they ripped off of the original Shazam. Yes, I agree. But it had
1: that unforgettable theme song.
0: Yes, (laughs) exactly right. right. Um, So I guess there's another animated movie, which I don't know why they did a second one, but it's going to be called It's Pets 2, The Secret Life Of.
1: Oh. (laughs) <laughs> please. I hated the first one. I thought it was just awful. And, and, it, and it particularly bothered me because the premise was so delightful and they had such great voice talent in it. You know, we all wonder what our pets are doing when we're not home. Of course. Home. And you could have had such a great story about the crazy things that they get up to in your house. But instead, they went outside of the house and they made it into just, you know, the 9,000th different movie about sort of having to rescue somebody in a chase and all of that. Boy, it sounds so like Toy Story. I hope that the sequel is good. Of course, they had to replace Louis C.K. as yeah, the character. Oh, of uh, course,
0: yeah. Character. But, of co- I mean, it sounds a lot like uh, Toy Story whenever you wonder what your pets yes, do and they leave the house. It
1: totally was a ripoff yeah. of Toy Story.
0: Um, another one that came out uh, this past, actually coming out uh, next week, is A Dog's Journey.
1: Yes. Did you see, that's a sequel. Did you see the original?
0: No, I did not. And I didn't realize it was a sequel until the other day. And it, it, from what I've seen in the commercials and everything else, it looks like one of these films that's going to be tugging at your heart the whole time.
1: You are 100% right. Uh, the first one I thought was really good. And I interviewed the guy who wrote the book. Oh, really? And, yeah, and he said that he wrote the book to comfort his wife because she was very sad that their dog had died. Okay. And so he came up with this idea that there's this one dog soul that goes from dog to dog and has these adventures. And that was the first movie as this dog gets reborn and reborn in different dog bodies and, you know, as a police dog and as a, you know, a pet and right. this and as a that. Right. And in this one, they ramp it up a little bit. At the, at, in the first movie, uh, he is owned by a boy who grows up to be Dennis Quaid, and then he comes back in this new dog body as, uh, for Dennis Quaid again. In this movie, it's all about Dennis Quaid and his family okay. and uh, what the dog does and how he's attached to the family. And, yes, I mean, I cry every time I see the trailer, and I will be bringing at least two handkerchiefs Um, Uh, because they they do a lovely job um they they had another movie uh a dog's purpose yes uh which was so touching especially the scene uh where the disabled veterans were in the hospital and the dog came to kind of cheer them up it was just beautiful
0: um and and i and and this one hits a little bit we my family we just got a a new puppy and i don't know if you heard them uh, at the beginning of the program, he was barking at something behind me. But he's uh, he's nine months old now, so we've had him since he was very small, and now he's very large. It's a German Shepherd Australian mix. And oh boy. when I watch the trailer, I think of him and going, "Who were you before?" I've had multiple uh-huh. dogs. Which one were you before? <laughs> so yeah, I, it, it's one of those. It's one of those concepts that uh, it's it's interesting to think about now. I guess the biopic, or at least the uh, idea of making a biography and taking liberties with it, is becoming big again. Last year we saw the movie about Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody, and coming up in May, the end yeah. of May we have Rocket Man, the story of Elton John, or the adaptation of the story yeah, of Elton with, John
1: with 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 Taron Egerton, who's an actor I like very much. He was in the Kingsman movies. Uh, He was in a a little scene movie that I think you might like uh, called Eddie the Eagle, based on the true story of a guy, you know, you can, as an athlete, you can either be successful as an athlete by actually succeeding, by being the fastest or the strongest or the best, or you can be successful as an athlete by being bad in a very brave way. Right. (laughs) That's kind of him. And so I like this guy, Taron Edgerton, and I think, and I know he can sing. He can sing very, very well. And so I'm I'm crossing my fingers that the Rocket Man uh, movie will be a good one. You know, I saw an interesting biopic this week. I just uh, filed my review of it. It's called Tolkien, and it's the story of the man who wrote the Lord of the Rings books. Oh, really? And I didn't know anything really about his backstory, uh, and it was fascinating. And it's a true love story more than anything else. And it turns out that he his wife, who is uh, you know, a full, a partner in his life, um, inspired a lot of the characters, uh, female characters in the Lord of the Rings books, and that's why he's got these feisty female elves and all ah. that. And, uh, and I, I was very touched by it. I thought it was, I thought it was lovely. So there is always, you know, an interest for us in getting inside people's real lives. Right. And whether it's somebody famous like Elton John or somebody, you know, or J.R. Tolkien, or whether it's... Somebody that's not famous, mm-hmm. you know, I saw a movie uh, last month, uh, The Best of Enemies, which is based on the amazing true story of the head of the local chapter of the KKK, who became a close friend of a black woman activist uh, when they worked together on uh, school desegregation. Oh, really? he, joined that, he joined the group specifically to prevent this desegregation from happening, uh, played by Sam Rockwell. Uh, and then Taraji P. Henson played the woman who was the activist, and it's about what happened, and I thought that was a very touching film. So there is something, you know, it's great to see movies uh, that are fantasy, and I, I love right. Marvel movies as much as anybody, but there is something really so fascinating about seeing inside real people's lives.
0: Um, you're listening to WMCK.FM and also watching us on Fayette TV dot org and channel 77. Now, the one thing I I thought was interesting, especially when they did the Bohemian Rhapsody film, uh, Queen and Freddie Mercury, that the AIDS concert, and I don't know if you saw the footage, someone on YouTube had enough time to compare the actual movie with the actual AIDS concert concert that he did, and it was darn close to being right on. with what It sure
1: was. In fact, I came home from the movie and immediately went on YouTube and watched the footage of the Live Aid concert and I was really struck by how meticulously they created every element of it. And that really is one of the greatest performances in the history of concerts.
0: It was just amazing. Now I'm wondering
1: phenomenal.
0: I'm wondering if because they did Freddie Mercury, now they're doing Elton John, if we'll finally see a biopic on the Beatles.
1: Uh (laughs) Or at least I
0: mean I'm hoping, really I'm hoping. Well, you
1: know they've tried. There have been two already about John Lennon, right? Um, uh, And but boy, it's it's very hard. I mean, I'm the biggest Beatles fan. I I, they're, they're my all time favorite group, and. It's it you know I we know them so intimately we know what they look like right. so intimately that it's it's impossible for me to imagine anybody what, portraying them
0: right. And I know in the I know in the eighties and, and um, early nineties they tried to do the biopics of Buddy Holly and Richie Valens, which they did mm-hmm. okay at the box office. But if you yeah, look at their they lives, did. they were the the movies were nowhere near accurate of what happened. They just took so many liberties with it, um, and the yeah. people that came out against them. Years after they were done, saying no, this didn't happen that way. So I'm kind of curious yeah. if you're going to see someone years from now come out about the Freddie Mercury film or Rocket Man, and why haven't we seen one about the Who yet? Or, or I mean, oh,
1: I'd love to. I'd love to see one about the Who because for some um, reason
0: it's British performers that we're seeing biopics of.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I would love. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't see any movie coming out anytime soon about James Taylor. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Carly Simon would be all over that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, she would. It would be a great movie, though about yes. their about their romance, wouldn't it? The ups and downs. You got uh, that? Ups, yeah. The ups and downs. Boy, yeah. Um. Yeah, and then you could you know Chris Christopherson. Mm-hmm. That would be a good one. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's right. Now, we do have some documentaries. There's a new documentary out about the Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. And, uh, and, you know, and it's hard to make those where they don't all of a sudden look like a VH1 behind the music episode because they tend to follow the same trajectory. Yeah. But, but that's a really good one. And uh, even if you're not a Wu-Tang fan, I think it's a two-part show and I think it's going to be on HBO and I, I think you'll find it just an interesting story. Okay, And, um... Uh, but, uh, you know, you're always, anytime you're going to be doing somebody's real life, you're always going to be making some changes because real life take many, many, many years. Right. And movies are just two hours long. Right, exactly. So you're going to have to, you're, you know, the example I always give, which is not about somebody's real life, but it's about a book, people complain a lot about adapting a book. And I always say, well, a book is like 500 pages and a movie script is 100 pages. But one of my favorite books? Uh, by Jane Austen is um, Sense and Sensibility, and one of my favorite parts of that book is a two-page speech that one of the characters gives. Now, in the movie, this is what it is. It's a guy sitting on a horse, and he looks down at the ground. That's that's what they do for the speech. And that's what you do in a movie, because in a movie you have tools that you don't have in a book, but you don't have the tools that you do have in a book. And so you don't have the luxury of the length, you don't have the the, the lyricism of the language, all you have is the, is the visuals. And I talked to a director once, uh, the guy who made uh, a movie last year called Ben is back with, um, Julia Roberts, which is very, very good. Yeah. I, and I, he told me that, yeah, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing uh, film.
0: It really is.
1: It, it is an amazing film. Um, and Peter Hedges is, I think a terrific director and he told me that he was very influenced by a story that when Milos Foreman was making the play Amadeus into the movie about Mozart and Salieri, the author of the play said to him, listen, I don't care what you do with it, but there's one speech that's the greatest thing I've ever written in my life. I'm so proud of it. You have to, you have to include that speech in the movie. And Milos Foreman said to him, nope, what we're going to do is we're going to have Salieri throw some music into the fire. And that's gonna be that speech. And and he was right. That's yeah. that's how you tell a story in a movie. Yeah, because
0: you can visually see it, yeah. Um yeah. now you made a comment about Chris Christofferson. Big movie mm-hmm. came out this year, the remake, well sort of a remake, A Star Is Born. People yes. my age remember the original with Chris Christofferson and Barbara Streisand.
1: I'm sorry, you <laughs> cannot call that the original. Well, no, was there, was a, one,
0: there was one before it, I know, but I don't remember that one. There were two <laughs>
1: before it. There were three before it. That was, a, that was the fourth one, and the one we had this year was the fifth one. The first one was called What Price Hollywood. Okay. Then there was one called A Star is Born with Frederick March. Okay, then that's right. Then there was the Judy Garland. Oh, James I forgot. A, I forgot
0: about Judy Garland and Jay Mason. Okay. Oh my
1: gosh, that one's got one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever, where she sings "The Man That Got Away." <laughs> that's that, an amazing, it's... amazing. Okay, scene. now I feel and bad. Then we had.
0: I don't really screw, screw up like that, but that's the first time I've done that in a while because I I just remember the hype and the comparison between the 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 newest one with uh, Lady Gaga and right. um, and, and, and the and 1970s one, yeah, and Bradley Cooper. Yeah. So. What did you think, because I, I did not, I'll be honest with you, I did not see it, but I heard everything about it. I know people that saw it. Were they actually the same film, or were they reminiscent of each other?
1: That's a really good question. I would say that each, you know, as I, as we've just established, there have now been five <laughs> versions of this story, and each one is very much a reflection of its time. Okay, And I think that's fine, that, that's absolutely fine. You know, here it is, uh, 500 years later, we're still producing Shakespeare plays and yes. we bring our own time to them. Or you right. can watch the two versions of Henry V, the one that came out during World War II and mm-hmm. was very much influenced by World War II with Laurence Olivier or the Kenneth Branagh version. That's fine. Um, that's That's the thing about great works of art is that you find something new in them that is relevant to each era and each person. And so with A Star is Born... Uh, is it okay if I do a spoiler? Sure. Has the movie been yeah, out long go right ahead. Yeah, go can, ahead. That we can say that? Okay. So in each version of the of the story, the husband uh, of the main character um, is a tragic figure who ultimately commits suicide. Okay. And we feel differently about suicide. We're more sophisticated, we're more sensitive, we're more understanding about it now than we were In the 70s or in the 50s. Right,
0: I got you. And so
1: I thought they, you know, I kept asking myself when I knew they were making a new one, how they were going to treat it. And I thought they did treat it with more sensitivity this time. uh, Because you couldn't just, you couldn't portray it as a noble act. Um, And you had to portray it as the result of a very troubled person who was dealing with more than one problem. He didn't kill himself because he felt bad that his wife was successful. He didn't kill himself because he had a substance abuse problem. He killed himself because he was losing his hearing, and he could no longer do the thing that he loved. Right. And not, I'm not justifying it in any way. I'm just saying they made it into a much more complicated and realistic portrayal, and they did not in any way portray it as anything other than completely devastating uh-huh. for everyone, which was good. You didn't want to think of him as being heroic and sacrificing right. himself. So that, that's an example of a change that they made to reflect our current understanding and sensitivity that I thought was very good. And of course, you know, Bradley Cooper and Chris Christopherson played very different kinds of musicians as Lady Gaga, who I thought did a fabulous job, uh, played a very different kind of performer. I
0: didn't know Bradley Cooper could sing.
1: He didn't know he could sing. He studied (laughs) literally. He studied for a year. Yeah. He lowered his voice by an octave.
0: Yeah. That that from what I heard, that was amazing. Now we compare uh, a Star Is Born. Now there were only two jazz singers, right? The Al Jolson one, the Neil Diamond one. Yes. There was okay, and they were two totally completely different. No, no. I'm sorry.
1: There's a third. one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Who was the third one? The third one was Danny Thomas
0: okay that one i didn't know there was a third one i only thought there was two on that one
1: well i think we all can forget the danny thomas one that would be fine i'm gonna have to look that up now if danny thomas was here i think even he would say "We we should just forget it and i was
0: a big fan of danny thomas too
1: um i love danny thomas oh my gosh i loved make room for daddy when i was growing up and um and, a, yeah, he's he's great.
0: Growing up, I had a crush on his do- daughter Marlo. I mean,
1: I had a, I had a crush on his daughter too, and I will tell you something, but you have to promise never to tell anybody. Okay, shh, I okay? won't tell anybody. I promise. All right, all right. Everybody who's listening, you're not allowed to tell anybody either. Okay. <laughs> so my father was in the television business. He was the chairman of the FCC for a while. Oh wow! And he did he did various things with television. Uh-huh. 50, 58 years ago today, he gave his most famous speech where he called television a vast wasteland. And Sherwood Schwartz was so insulted by that he named the sinking ship on the Gilligan's Island after my dad to 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 pay him. Back. I
0: did not the SS realize. No.
1: Ah. Yeah, and and so we're very proud of that. But anyway, so my dad my dad worked in television, and one year when I was in middle school, he gave me his Emmy ballot. And he said, here, I don't have time. You fill it out. Okay. I just voted for Marlo Thomas for everything. Oh, really?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is a piece of family history that will go down forever, except I think on that minnow they spelled it with two N's. Am I right?
1: Yes, they did. Okay. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> but but Sherwood Schwartz admitted that he did that as an attempt to insult my father. We were very honored. Oh,
0: heck, I'd be flattered. I wouldn't be insulted.
1: We're, we're, we're extremely <laughs> proud of that. But, yeah, on my website today, MovieMom.com, I did a little tribute to my dad's famous speech.
0: Okay. That's funny. Um, and I guess an actor that we think has been going out of his mind has one coming a movie coming out on May 17th, which I did not know until tonight. Johnny Depp in The Professor?
1: Yeah. What boy, is it about? he is absolutely nuts. And I just watched the trailer for it. Okay. And I got to say, uh, he looks a little less crazy okay. than, than he has been in some of his movies lately. But, um, but boy, for a guy who was really on top of the world, he's fallen pretty far.
0: Okay. So what's the movie so, about?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, you watched really, the trailer they and you really didn't kept it. Yeah, well, yeah, not really. They, they, you know, they, they have been very quiet about okay. it. Okay. Um, so it's about a guy who is told that he's going to die, and he decided he decides to change everything in his life, and he's going to. Tell he's going to tell the students, you know, do whatever you want, right? And uh, he's going to tell the truth to everybody, and you know. So we'll see. Um, It's got a really good cast. Uh, Zoe Deutsch is in it. Ah. Uh, She's the daughter of um, the uh, director and the star of some kind of wonderful. Okay. Um, And um, and Rosemary DeWitt and Ron Livingston. So I hope it's good. But I got to say, it's been a long time since Johnny Depp has made a good movie. Well,
0: yeah, because he's just done um, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and he's gotten weirder and weirder in each one he does.
1: That's right. And, you know, when he made the first one, uh, they were almost going to fire him because they thought his performance was so strange and then it was a big hit. And that's when things really went wrong because people were afraid to tell him to pull it back and right. he just got stranger and stranger and stranger. But yeah, he was, I thought I really did not like him in the, um, in the, in the recent, uh, uh, Harry Potter spinoff, um, the crimes of Grindelwald and right. that's the fantastic beast. and Where I, find him, I did not like him in that at all.
0: So another one coming from, uh, from across the pond, which I don't understand. I mean, I can, maybe over there they're funny, but I don't get the humor here. And it's Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon.
1: Well, I do like um, the uh, stop motion animation. Right. Uh, uh, Wallace and Gromit. The Shaun the Sheep are not as not to me as good as the Wallace and Gromit movies. But I I love stop motion animation. There's really just one group doing it in England, and one group doing it. In the United States, and uh-huh. their most recent movie, uh, *The Missing Link*, is not their best movie. Um, but yeah, I, I think Sean the Sheep—they have their fans, and I don't think they're going to make a lot of new fans.
0: Um, recently, um, I had on the program Rick Goldschmidt, who is the uh, the official historian for Rankin Bass on the program. The, the, oh yeah, the, the group of people. Is that right? Yeah, the group of people that made st- stop animation something that was. F- that was recognizable in this country, and him and I talked about it also. That in a lot of ways, it's a lost talent because everything's going CGI, and it's yeah. it's cheaper and it's quicker, which is a shame. Yeah. So it is. It is. Yeah. It's, it's I, a talent.
1: I I completely agree with you. It's funny to hear a Rankin Bass uh, person saying that because you know their claim to fame was that they did everything cheaply. Well, <laughs> compared well, to.
0: But but now you it's. Know, comp- but now, if you talk to them, and they they will admit they did it cheaply, but they did it good compared to what we're they seeing did. now. And
1: and people, if there was ever a year that those movies were not on at Christmas, right, there would be a revolution. Yeah, exactly. People would just tear the house down yeah. because they are so attached to those. And the Island of Misfit Toys has gone has become a stuff of legend.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has. So, I mean, it's hard to believe. We've been talking for fifty minutes now, and. I'm having a great time, but I know uh, we're gonna I have to. Oh, I, we're gonna have to end this sometime soon. But before we do that, can I have you come back on sometime late this summer? And we well, could talk. And we could talk about the fall movies and the Christmas movies and what, what's going on. Because if you're willing sure, to do that, and, then and, but-
1: and we'll talk. about... yeah, I would love to do that, and we'll talk about. You know, the big winners and losers of the summer as
0: well. Now, speaking of the big winners and losers of the summer, what movies are coming out over the next, which will be considered the summer season, which starts when? Is it now or is it starting two weeks?
1: It definitely, believe me, the the Avengers was the start of the summer season. So, yeah. um, Well, I can tell you uh, that one that I'm particularly looking forward to, you know, if I use the term guilty pleasures, I might... Um, I might call it that but I don't use that term Hobbs and Shaw which is a spinoff of the Fast and the Furious looks great I've just enjoyed the trailer so much that looks like a lot of fun I'm also very hopeful about the new Men in Black movie Yes, I think that looks like it's going to be tremendous fun I really like the first one Uh, and uh, of course we talked about Toy Story very excited about that uh, we've got a bunch of superheroes still yet to come. We've had, what, three already this year. We've got a bunch more, uh, including the new Spider-Man movie and uh, Dark Phoenix, who is part of X-Men. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, I'm hoping that's good. But I've kind of lost uh, any real excitement about Tarantino, but you're really sort of hoping about that. And then I can tell you, I've seen one already that's coming out this summer that I liked a lot. It's called Booksmart, and it is a about two girls who've done everything right all through high school. Okay. They've gotten perfect grades, they've gotten into the schools of their choice, and then for a bunch of reasons, on the last night before graduation, they decide they're going to make up for all that they missed and go out and have a very, very wild night. And okay. I thought I just I loved it. I thought it was great.
0: So there's a movie coming out which I cannot believe when I saw the trailer called The Dead Don't Die with Bill Murray yeah. coming out. And it looks to me know. it looks to me like a spoof on zombie movies.
1: It does, but it also looks really gross. <laughs>
0: I, I saw the trailer. It came up one day, and I, I, I'm looking at it, going, "I gotta watch this." And I watched it over and over again because I thought the <laughs> premise was just so ridiculous. And again, it
1: is ridiculous. Um, I, is it a sequel to Zombieland, which Bill Murray was also in?
0: I don't know. It may be, but the cast that they have is just like oh,
1: everybody's in
0: it. it. Yeah, it's like it's like a who's who's of. Uh, Uh, Let's see. They have Steve Buscemi in it. Uh, Let's see. uh, Iggy Pop is in it. Selena Gomez. Uh, Yeah. What is it? Adam Driver. Uh, Rosie Uh Perez. Uh, Carol Kane. Tom Watts. I mean, they do. They have. Oh, Tilda uh, Swinton's going to be in it. They have an amazing cast in this film, and it's about zombies in a small community coming back alive. And the name of the town, which I think is really uh, funny, is, I believe it uh, is, uh, oh, heck, I just forgot the name of it. But anyhow, it's based in Pennsylvania, which is where I'm at. And the town is not, oh, Centerville, that's the name of it. And it's based in Centerville, which is only 15, 20 minutes away from where I'm at. Of course, it wasn't filmed here. It was filmed in upstate New York, but still, they're using the police car from (laughs) right down the road, which I thought was funny. They did the same thing with Groundhog Day, too. They shot it in Illinois, and it was based in Punxsutawney.
1: Oh, I know. Which, I know. What, I mean, that happens. I Listen, I live in Washington, and, you know, movies that are supposed to take place in Washington, you can tell they're right. really shot in Toronto. Yeah.
0: Well, it's cheaper. Yeah. It's much cheaper to produce oh, yeah. them up there. Um, and when the film Groundhog's Day came out, I was uh, I was working doing grad work, and I was working for the college TV station. I took a film guy up to Punxsie, which is an hour and 45 minutes away from where I'm, where I'm at. And mm-hmm. we took him up, and we walked through the town going, wait a minute, this doesn't look anything like the movie, because there was <laughs> nothing there. But the mo- that Listen, movie did I really... Saw, be- no, I'm sorry. I saw a
1: movie that was supposed to take place in Washington, and these skyscrapers. The law is in Washington. Everything has to be 15 stories or under. There are no skyscrapers in Washington.
0: Yeah, it, 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 so. it is humorous. And, um, and, and is there anything else on the horizon that you see coming out that may be something we should look for?
1: Well, we've already talked about the Mr. Rogers movie, which right. I'm very excited about. Um, and then uh, we have the new Star Wars movie coming uh, as well. Uh, this is the and, uh,
0: Skywalker film, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that one, uh, I'm I'm excited about that. We've got Frozen 2 coming up uh, in this, this fall. And uh, the new Little Women from Greta Gerwig. So I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very, very good year for movies. But my favorite thing, as I think about the start of the summer every year, is that every year there is some movie that we have no ideas on the horizon right that really blows us away and i'm always looking for for that
0: have you found one yet
1: uh no that's that's the fun of it you okay. know there's always there's always you always start the year and there's going to be some performer or some movie some something that you can't you, you can't even imagine who's going to be just incredibly important in your life and that's i love that
0: so where can my audience read your reviews at
1: well, the easiest way to find me is at Moviemom.com, and I'm also an editor at RogerEbert.com, and so I have at least one review and, or interview there every week as well. And, and I'm on Twitter as Moviemom.
0: And, and now I appreciate you taking time tonight, and I can't wait to do this again, and I'll uh, keep in touch so we can, because this was, I mean, this hour just flew by. It really did.
1: It flew by for me, too. I'm really looking forward to it. It was a great pleasure talking with you. And by the way, I love Pittsburgh. I've got family in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And I, I love to go to the Eaton Park when I'm there.
0: <laughs> I do that almost every Friday night, just to let you know that.
1: <laughs> Not
0: that they're sponsoring the program or anything, but.
1: No, but I, I love their pastries.
0: <laughs> well, you got to get the smiley cookies. That's the best part.
1: Yeah, it is. And exactly. for. That's what well, I get too.
0: Real quick real quick about Eaton Park before I let you go is last week which last Saturday was May 4th. May the 4th mm-hmm. be with you. They did 4th, a whole yes. series of Star Wars smiley cookies. Oh. They no. had C3PO, they had R2D2, they had Princess Leia, they had Luke Skywalker. Now they were round, but whoever their pastry chef was, it came up with it, it was an awesome idea. So,
1: that is genius yeah
0: so Nell, i appreciate it thank you very much for joining me and we'll talk to you real soon
1: wonderful
0: bye-bye bye-bye and that was Nell mil uh, minnow i'll get it right uh she's joined us this evening talking about movies coming up she's a critic at um at uh ebert uh ebert presents the movies and she's been pretty much everywhere else she's a movie mom that's what it is even though we didn't talk about movies for kids we talked about everything else but anyhow, there's our music. And thank you for uh, listening to us or watching us this evening here on FAYA TV channel 77 and also on WMCK.FM. And we are recording live and broadcasting live from the Phil Giannetti Motor Studio in Brownsville, PA from high High Street. So, guys, thank you very much for joining me. And we'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. At Pluralsight, they believe everyone should have the opportunity to create progress through technology. Pluralsight is a tech workforce development company that provides the solutions that high-performing engineering teams need to tackle today's biggest challenges. Whether you need to build the skills, individuals, and teams to tackle mission-critical projects, drive cloud transformation, or help software teams ship reliable, scalable, and secure code, you can harness the collective power of hindsight foresight, and insight with Pluralsight. Check them out today at pluralsight.com slash vision.